a mentor. Consider this incredibly comforting yet sobering truth that with the exception of just a few outliers in the scriptures, maybe John the Baptist, maybe Barnabas, there really isn't a single effective leader, specifically in the New Testament, who was an island to themselves. No, no one accidentally, randomly raised themselves up for ministry. Every effective leader in the early church seemed to have a mentor equip and train and prep them. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 211. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. Uh, The voice that you just heard is our guest for this week. It's Pilgrim Benham. He's the pastor of Shoreline Church in Bradenton, Florida. And this is a recording of him speaking at our Colorado Springs training event. And he speaks about a topic that's near and dear to his heart. He talks about preaching mentorships. And these are important, whether it's a formalized partnership or a more casual relationship, whether it is one experienced mentor leading a group of novice preachers, or if it's one-on-one. Pilgrim wants to speak about the important need to seek out a more experienced voice and to invite specific feedback and coaching into your life in regards to your Bible teaching or preaching ministry. So this is a very practical step that's nearly guaranteed to help you improve in your preaching ministry. And guys, isn't that what it's all about? If you're listening to this podcast, I know one thing about you. I know that you want to improve in your teaching or preaching. I believe that everyone who even is tangentially connected to the Expositors Collective. If you are listening to just one episode of this podcast, or if you just follow us on Instagram for daily quotes about preaching, or whether you're some of those who commit to attending our training events, I know that all of you have the same goal, and that's to grow as a Bible teacher. So if that's you, and I believe it is, well then really listen up. Because what Pilgrim is going to speak about in this episode is a surefire way to help you grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's Word. All right, here's my friend, Pilgrim Benham. Uh, If you you would, open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And if you have a workbook, put the workbook away. No cheating. You guys can read the workbook later. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I'm going to start out with a big obvious idea, and that is that you need a mentor. Consider this incredibly comforting yet sobering truth that with the exception of just a few outliers in the scriptures, maybe John the Baptist, maybe Barnabas, there really isn't a single effective leader, specifically in the New Testament, who was an island to themselves. No, no one 
accidentally, randomly raise themselves up for ministry. Every effective leader in the early church seemed to have a mentor equip and train and prep them. And in 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, note with me the four generations here. Maybe you missed it, but note, it's Paul instructing Timothy, that's one generation to another, to strengthen himself in the grace of Jesus Christ, and then to take what he learned from Paul and then entrust it to the next generation. There's the third. He says to faithful men, and those men in turn will take what Timothy instructed to them and they'll transmit it to others as well. Fourth generation. So Timothy, Titus, Luke, and so many others were raised up by Paul himself. But even Paul had a Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to invest in him. We know Apollos was that eloquent speaker. He could wow the crowd with his eloquence, but his doctrine needed to be a little more fortified. So he looked to Aquila and Priscilla, his wife, to fortify his faith. John Mark, we know, had Peter, his cousin. Joshua had Moses. Samuel had Eli, Esther had Mordecai, and the 11 disciples who became apostles had Jesus. So how? How do we do this? Do we do this haphazardly? Do we do this aimlessly? Do we just Google mentor, Bible mentor, and click on the first link that we see? Do we pray by accident that people within our ministry will just figure out discipleship and leadership or that it'll somehow come to us? through inspiration and prayer. Well, thankfully, we don't have this same mentality in other fields like engineering. Thankfully, engineers don't say, I'm just going to hopefully download what it takes to be an engineer. Uh, Thankfully, we don't do this with space exploration. Astronauts don't go, well, I'm just going to figure it out as I enter or exit the atmosphere of the earth. I'll just figure it out as I go. Uh, And so, you know, it's kind of like this here, hold on to this. Now here, okay, congrats, you're flying, right? Thankfully, we don't have that uh, in these different fields. So we can do better, and in our brief time together, we're going to define what a preaching mentorship is. And I asked you not to look in your workbook, because what I want you to do is maybe turn to the back of the workbook where you can jot this working definition down. So if you have a pen or you have a phone, either scribe or kind of type this out, and we're going to work through this definition for the next few minutes together. On the screen, here's what it says, a preaching mentorship, what is it? It includes a worthy mentor who takes the time to offer input, opportunities, and feedback to a willing mentee who works hard to steward what was entrusted to them. The smart guys in the back are taking a picture of that, so good job. Um, We're going to spend our time just dissecting this definition uh, bit by bit. So first, a preaching mentorship includes, number one, a worthy mentor. Now, it should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. The only one who is truly worthy is Jesus Christ. Everyone knows that from Sunday school. The answer to every question, Jesus, right? Especially as indicated in Revelation 4 and 5. He is alone worthy of our worship, worthy of following. But what we mean here in this definition is essentially that there's someone who brings worth to the relationship. So in business, new entrepreneurs want to look to the wise and tested business people to learn from them, the ones who have been successful in starting these great companies. They don't look for advice from the guy who still lives with mom and is trying to get his drone pizza delivery service off the ground. 
right? In fitness, people look to the coach and the trainer uh, or the Dominic Duns who are, who are ripped. They're looking for the guys who know what they are doing. They've tried the diets. They've tried the workouts. They've tried the regiments. They have the sculpted body or to use language my kids use, they're swole. They don't look to someone who brings donuts and Mountain Dew to CrossFit. And so my point is that we need worthy mentors. And sometimes that means that the pastor that we're serving under has directly influenced uh, us by setting a good example, which we can follow. I've experienced that, and many of you have. You've experienced a pastor or a mentor who set a good example for you. But in many cases, God has put us in a place where we're learning how to preach by learning what not to do by how we observe our leaders. And that may be you as well. Some of us as fathers look back at how we were raised and we purpose in our hearts, I will never raise my kids the way my dad did. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be a good dad and actually buy my kids Legos and not socks. But either way, the point is we need worthy mentors. Now, let me just make this point. When we say the mentor is worthy, we don't mean necessarily they have a large church, they have an international influence, or they have name recognition. My suggestion is that we simply look for faithful Bible expositors, that we look for loving shepherds, that we look for powerful storytellers, that we look for exceptional communicators, passionate preachers, those who have brilliant minds, but most importantly, and you may have caught this throughout the weekend, most importantly, those who love their wives and their children faithfully and lovingly, the ones who lead their churches humbly and courageously. Right now, we're in a moment where we have way too much moral failure in the church. So even a guy who's just stayed in ministry for decades and has been, been faithful, they're worthy of listening to. Now, you and I, we tend to choose our mentors more than the mentors choose us. And we tend to emulate who we want to follow. So who is that for you? If you don't have a person yet, who do you know who would be willing to take some time and invest in you, to equip you? Who? Just think of it. Who are the men and the women in your life who pray with you or pray for you? Who would be willing to take the time to teach and lead you? We all of us need worthy mentors. Well, let's look at that definition again, and let's look at a second aspect. Not only does it include a worthy mentor, but secondly, it's a mentor who takes the time. It does take time. It may be a predetermined amount of time, maybe a year, maybe more than that, maybe less, but it's going to take time for you to be poured into to in, in, in develop this gift of preaching. Effective, biblically faithful, gospel-centered preaching does not develop in a vacuum, and it does not develop in a microwave. It not only is taught, but it has to be caught. Now, I've always been fascinated that Jesus didn't say, come follow me to his 12 disciples and then take them to a school of ministry, a Bible college, or a homiletics class. Those resources are great, and we do need them. Uh, we need to support them and advance them, but those are not preaching mentorships. See, there's a difference. Jesus brought his 12 disciples into close contact with himself, and they learned the rhythms and the pace of ministry up close, whether that was preaching to large crowds or preaching in homes, whether that was in the synagogue unrolling the scroll or that was engaging someone in the streets, whether that was ministering to broken people or preaching from a boat or even a mountainside. 
Jesus took three years to invest in the 12, and it may take that long. So, so taking the time could mean once a week. Maybe you meet once a week. Maybe it's uh, every few weeks, maybe once a month. But the mentor sits down with you and invests time. For me at our church, we have an ongoing, we call it our teaching cohort. And we've identified a handful of guys, and I'm starting to speak to a few ladies. And we sit down uh, once a month for about 90 minutes, and we listen to sermons, we uh, read scripture, and every month I give them a preaching assignment. And so their next assignment next month is in the book of Matthew. And it's a, it's a short little sermon for what you guys basically just did, 10 minutes, observe, interpret, apply, let's see Jesus, what's your main point, and give them some constructive feedback. Now, I'm not expecting them to be David Gusick by the end of six months, but definitely by the end of seven months, they should be there. No, no, our guys at our church, they're advancing. Um, we've done this a few years, and so they're becoming more advanced. So now I'm asking them to lead communion. Now I'm asking them, a few of them, to preach on occasion when I'm not there. Uh, and they're all rotating through our youth ministry teaching team. The best part of this group, though, uh, is what I want to look at with this third idea. So not only does it include a worthy mentor who takes time, but they take the time to offer three things. Note that each one of these is important. First, input. Input is transmitting resources from the mentor to the mentee. And it could be his own personal experiences and wisdom. Uh, It could be assigning them to read a book. And in your handbook, you have a lot of great resources. It could be podcasts, like the Expositors Collective podcast, available now on iTunes. Uh, It could be sermon videos. Uh, But... Input is great, but we can't just stop there because you could listen to the Expositors Collective podcast. You can read books, you can watch sermons, and yet that's not necessarily a preaching mentorship. You see, the relationship not only includes input, but also opportunities. And this is where the mentor directly offers you a chance to use your gifts and training in the real world. At our church, we allow... Uh, some of these guys to do a scripture reading before we dive into the text. And my argument is if you can't get up and just read scripture publicly for a few minutes, how can you preach for 45? And I love to give them assignments in the Old Testament where there's very difficult names to read. That's my favorite thing to do uh, to ruin them. Uh, having the mentee lead communion. Think about that. That's a great option for you to be given the opportunity to lead the congregation, whether it's once a month or on a Wednesday night. Uh, Many pastors may give you the opportunity to speak, not just to the youth, but to the main congregation on a midweek. And I would just say, if your pastor ever asks you to do that, be what they call in the world, they call it being a yes man or a yes woman. Be a yes man. Be a yes woman. Yes, I will do this. And then run out of the room and start praying. Uh, Don't run out of the room until you say yes, though. Uh, I would encourage you to go for it. Go for these opportunities. Um, So not only input, not only opportunities, but feedback. And we just had an opportunity, didn't we, to receive some helpful feedback. Let me give you the four types of feedback. And I want to put it on the screen so you guys can visually see it. There are four types of feedback. There is positive and negative, and there is general and specific. Do we have that chart? Do we have that? I don't know if we have a picture of it. Uh, But general positive is is sort of like those attaboys. It's like giving your dog a treat. Good boy. 
You did a good job. And pastors hear that almost every week. There it is. So kind of the general positive part of the grid. Uh, And we hear that all the time. Good job, pastor. At least Pete Nelson hears that every week. Good job, pastor. And the only thing that that ultimately helps is our ego. You did a great job. You did a good job. And, And that doesn't really give us much. I like to ask people what was good. If they say good sermon, I like to say, well, praise God, glory to God. But what was good? Tell me specifically so I can improve. Now, in contrast to that, on the, on the bottom right quadrant is general negative. And this tends to destroy our ego. General negative feedback is when you hesitantly, and I've done this, you hesitantly ask your wife on the way home from church. And you ask her, how did that go, honey? And you know what's coming. Like, I don't even ask anymore. I drive separately at this point. Because I know if I'm driving and I want to know, how did you think the sermon went? She's not going to make eye contact. She's going to kind of look and go, well, it wasn't heresy, right? And, and, and I know it's coming. So general feedback, whether positive or negative, that's not very helpful. It either boosts us or crushes us. Where we want to be is specific. So positive specific might sound like this. And maybe some of you heard this. Man, you are passionate in your preaching. Your love for Christ, your love for his word, it really shows through. Great use of hands, eye contact. That's that's positive. That's specific. Or your opening illustration, and that really caught my attention. I'm not going to forget what you said. Thanks for that illustration. That's going to help me remember God's word this week. Now, negative specific, it's hard to hear, but it's hands down the most helpful feedback of all. And this is where we are constructively criticized to improve. It might sound like this. You used way too many, too many illustrations on that one point where one would have done the trick. Or you said, um, 914 times. I counted. Please stop. God have mercy on your soul for the amount of times you've used the word, um. Now, I, I told our group this morning that, that I listen to my sermons every week, and it is, a, it is an exercise in cringe. To hear ourselves preach is difficult. To watch it is even worse. Uh, But feedback, watching that, listening to that, to see what we did, to see how fast we spoke, or to see how many times we said, uh, definitely helps us improve. Uh, Now, look back at our definition. Our fourth idea, the willing mentee is someone who works hard to steward what was entrusted to them. David already mentioned this this morning, so I'm not going to add to that, but it does take hard work. And I would argue that for every five minutes of preaching, you need to spend at least, the, the sweet spot would be 60 to 90 minutes of prep. So for you this morning, you should have aimed for two to three hours of prep in a 10-minute teaching. You see, the bulk of the work of preaching does not take place here in the pulpit. It takes place in the study. And as 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us, the same book that we just referenced, Paul says to him, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. How do we rightly handle it? By being an approved worker. You're not going to be the best expositor in your city in a few weeks. Uh, This is a life's work. Well, finally, the fifth idea is that the willing mentee must steward what was entrusted to them. You know, we're never going to arrive at being a perfect preacher, and that should encourage us. We're never going to fully arrive, but that should always be our aim to be getting better. 
You and I have been given a gift, a stewardship, and we're to steward it well. We're to grow in it. We're to develop it. Malcolm Gladwell surmises you're not an expert until you've clocked at least 10,000 hours in your area of discipline. And so just think about that for a minute. I actually did the math. And if you taught every Sunday and every Wednesday for one hour, which is way more than I teach, I teach 45 minutes usually. If you were to do that 52 weeks out of the year, you would need 96 years before you are an expert. So that should be a word of encouragement. We're never going to fully arrive, but we're on this journey together. Being a good expositor is going to take time. It's going to take hard work, but steward what God has entrusted to you. We prayed this morning in our group and said, isn't it wonderful that we have the Bible in our language, that we have the opportunity with freedom to open it together? What a gift God's given us to exposit his word. Take what was entrusted to you and steward it well. Uh, I want to close, but first address any, anyone who is a mentor. Um, the word mentor is actually translated as an experienced person who advises and guides and teaches and inspires and challenges and corrects and serves as a model to follow. Some of us have been entrusted with the next generation, and yet we've failed them because we haven't invested in them. We haven't trusted them. We haven't inspired them. We haven't set a model that's desirable to follow. We held on to our ministry and gripped it with both hands angrily. Could it turn out that someone else will need to step up and intervene to connect that young person to who and what will ultimately help them succeed in ministry? My prayer is that it would be us. Now, Charles Spurgeon, of course, the Prince of Preachers, uh, did you guys know that his church, Metropolitan Tabernacle, once boasted a membership of 5,000, but just in the 1970s was down to a few rows of pews? How did that happen? Well, I don't think it was Spurgeon's fault, but somewhere along the way, a mentor failed. And so my question is, are we doing that? Are we entrusting what we've heard in the presence of many witnesses? And are we entrusting that to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, what about you as a Timothy, as a mentee? Uh, are you a faithful man or woman? Then look for someone to teach you. Look for someone to mentor you. Look for someone to keep you connected. It may be a preaching mentorship, and now you have the tools to make yours much more successful for the glory of God to the ends of the earth. We're never going to stop growing. One quick story here, and then we'll close it out. Uh, a few years back, he hates when I tell the story, but a few years back, uh, I was at the pastor's conference and they had a breakout workshop on preaching, how to be a better preacher or communicating. And I was like, I'm definitely going to that. And as I went into the classroom, I see David Gusick walk in and I was like, awesome. David Gusick's going to teach this. Well, he didn't. He went and he sat in the front row and he pulled out his Bible and he pulled out his notes and began to take notes as someone else younger than him came to the stage to teach. You see, this is a lifelong goal for us to continue growing. I encourage you uh, to seek out a mentor. If you're a mentor, uh, I encourage you to introduce preaching mentorships into your ministry. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for entrusting us with the gospel. It is a huge task. We've learned a lot this weekend. We pray, Lord, that you would bring to mind those people that we can call up. Maybe it's these group leaders that we've sat with uh, around the circle, and, and we've gotten to meet them. Lord, uh, we pray that you would direct us. And Lord, if we have...
people in our ministry that we can pour into. Maybe it's, it's young students. Maybe it's our sons, our daughters. Lord, would you give us the opportunity to mentor them, not just in scripture and in preaching, but also in how to follow Jesus. We just call it discipleship. We thank you for this time, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to work this weekend for your glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Pilgrim. Uh, Always appreciate um, all that you have to share. Now, this was recorded at our second most recent training event, which took place in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, Maybe you're aware, but just a couple of weeks ago, we had a training event in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, It was a great time together Uh, We had a very large turnout and we're just so thrilled at each individual who came and the steps that they took in their growth. If you want to be added to our mailing list so that you can be made aware of our upcoming events, well, then get in touch with us at expositors at calvarychapel.com or find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. All right. I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. Mm